Agencies are facing new short-term deadlines to begin implementing the White House Cybersecurity Executive Order back from May. Over the next two months, chief information officers will review both critical software they're using and how they collect and analyze cyber incident data. Federal News Network's Jason Miller joins me now with what it all means. Jason, let's start with that first deadline from OMB around critical software. What do people have to do? Over the next 60 days, and Tom, this dates back to early August, so the the clock is ticking, so to speak. But over the next 60 days, they have to identify 12 different types of critical software that they're using mainly on-premise and or are planning to buy to use on-premise. Now, those those types are, are based on this critical software protections outlined by the National Institute of Standards and Technology in July. We have a link to them so people can find them very easily. Uh, but, but the idea here is what software that is, is using to, to run critical applications, software is being used for, for critical data. So a lot of this is all around understanding what your high-valued assets are, which agencies have been doing for several several years now but also ensuring that the software behind those high-value assets are protected. And and I think that's really a a key piece. Now, after you identify what what software you have and where it's running, specifically on-premise, then you have agencies have 12 months to implement those critical software protections that I mentioned earlier from NIST. They have roughly a year after that initial 60 days to then implement those changes and and secure that on-premise software. All right. So if you run out of Post-it notes, just call Jason Miller because I think you're the only one that can keep all this straight in the industry at this point. And now the latest thing then from last Friday, OMB issued a second cyber executive order, I guess like memo of the month, looking at cyber incident data. Data, separate from the software you're using. Tell us about that one. You make that joke memo of the month, but Tom, there are now 32 memos from OMB in fiscal 2021, and we still have a month left of fiscal 2021. So a lot of memos coming out. But you're right, this one from just last week really focuses on cybersecurity incident data and how agencies are logging that data. Now, what OMB did through the executive order is develop a maturity model, and that maturity model starts at event logging zero or level zero, and it goes up to level three. So agencies have a 60-day requirement to assess how well they log their cybersecurity data against this model. And then once they figure that out, they have to understand the gaps where those gaps exist. And then they have 18 months to reach level two and 24 months to reach level three. Now, this logging data, Tom, is really important for several reasons. Uh, The EO calls it out to say it's about investigation. It's about remediation and, and those capabilities to remediate those attacks. Logging, log retention, log management, all of that is really focused on giving high level security operations center really important visibility into what's happening on the network. So Tom, I think taking both of these memos together, what OMB is trying to do now is addressing some short-term priorities over a longer term, if you will, right? Hey, this is important. We saw this as a problem with solar winds, event logging. Let's start fixing it as soon as possible. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. And yesterday we talked about the Federal Acquisition Security Council. Does all of this data gathering somehow relate to the FASC, which is the clearinghouse for a lot of this? It's unclear whether or not the FASC will take this data and then make recommendations based on this data. I think what the FASC will end up doing is using this information about potentially an incident or a threat or some sort of problem that they see and bring in other data to help influence what recommendations they may make or may not make. But there is no necessarily direct connection between the two. But Tom, I think it's all part of this, the Biden administration's effort to 
continue, and I think this is an ongoing effort, improve cybersecurity across the government. Sure. So now we have two deadlines, one for the critical software inventories and and sensitivities there, and one for the cyber incident data. Is this going to be a big lift for agencies? Do they have this stuff in hand already, or do they have to go on a big hunt to start gathering all of this information? For a lot of agencies, I think this is not going to be a huge lift. And what I think OMB has done over the last few years, and, I, and it's, it's unclear if they're still doing it, but I, I think it's 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 hopeful that they are, is they've talked to the CIOs ahead of putting out these policies and memos, asked them to review the policies and memos and ensure that this is doable. Is 60 days enough time? Do we need 90 days? Do we need 45 days? And I think through the things like continuous diagnostics and mitigation and the, the tools that DHS has provided over the last couple of years, agencies should know what's on their network. They should know almost who's on their network. So understanding what software you have, for instance, they should have that. Now, Bigger issue, Tom, as you know, is certain agencies are smaller. EPA may be easier than someone like HHS if you're more of a federated agency versus uh, an agency that's more centralized. So everyone will have different challenges, and those challenges will be dependent on, on the makeup. But I think a lot of the tools have been in place to at least address that software piece. Incident logging is maybe something that's really focused on the Security Operations Center. And, and we know that CISA and the Justice Department together are working on a, a security operations as a service for a lot of small agencies. So I think some of the bigger agencies, and again, whether you're Commerce or USDA or Interior, you may have your own security operations center that is already doing some of this logging data. But for the smaller agencies, they may have struggled to do this and then are will need to look to a place like the Justice Department for some shared services. In many ways, this is a wake-up call to do something agencies should always be doing anyhow, but seem to come up against it from time to time, and that is rationalizing your software, going through your inventory and retiring old applications and duplicative applications and so on, so that you have less to comb through and you also have less exposure for cyber. I think every time we talk to CIOs, Tom, and, and you and I are, are, you know, spend a lot of time with agency CISOs and deputy CIOs and, CIO and CTOs, application rationalization comes up you know, more often than we can count. And I think the challenge here is understanding what applications you have, where they live, and then what version they are. And a lot of times agencies find they have version one, two, and three, and 20 people are using three and 40 people are using version two, and there's a hole, a, a patch that was needed that was never applied. And I think a lot of what this effort is trying to do is to ensure, one, everyone's on that same version. They're not necessarily mandating application rationalization, but that's what, you're right, they're pushing to agencies toward it. And then two, making sure it's the latest application that is up to date with the patching. I think that's where some of the event logging comes in. If they're seeing a bad actor, a hacker going after a specific software title, and they're seeing information about that, then they can say, okay, everyone, you need to move to this version because that's safer. All right. So 32 executive orders so far. It seems like <laughs> OMB has an old-fashioned typing pool somewhere around there because they tend to be long from this administration. And as you mentioned, there is still yet a few more weeks left in the fiscal year. What else do you think we can see with respect to the original cyber executive order with subroutines now that agencies will have to carry out? There are a lot of other deadlines that are on tap. Now, what OMB is working on, it's, it's not necessarily clear to those of us outside of OMB or outside of the CIO Council. But if you just look at the cyber EO and the deadlines that are coming up, for instance, Tom, there's a requirement for the Department of Defense, Secretary of Homeland Security and OMB director to establish procedures 
for DOD and DHS to share DOD incident response orders or DHS emergency directives and binding operational directives, really promoting this idea of cross-adoption so everyone is, is uh, the rising tide lifts all boats. There's another one out there that uh, for all agencies to update their mem- memorandum of agreement with CISA around the continuous diagnostics and mitigation program. Again, what's behind that memorandum of agreement, it's unclear, but those are some of those deadlines that I think agencies will be looking at. And I think OMB is probably working on more memos to establish the changes. And, and Tom, you know, we could go through the cyber executive order. There's deadline upon deadline upon deadline. There's 90-day deadlines and 45-day deadlines and 60-day deadlines. And then there's even longer ones, the 270 days and 365 days. So those are a couple that kind of stood out to me as the ones that are upcoming. The sharing of DOD response and, and DHS emergency directives and the updating the CDM memorandum of agreements. Yeah, I think I went through that EO when it first came out and counted 76 deadlines in there. So, think, so far, we've got two right. of them. All right. Well, keep it coming. And again, keep those Post-it notes stocked. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure, Tom. Be sure to check out his ongoing coverage of all of this at federalnewsnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual, uh, afloat commands. Uh, The first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, And then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them 
and find out what they're doing and where what you can do to help them. Uh, I we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from C to the C suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Um, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment, and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book, and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. 
and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in, in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally and, agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, Think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.